You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Um, Ashley and I, my wife and I, grew up in Houghton and Bossier and Shreveport. But we've been gone for about 12 years until summer of last year we came back here. And uh, before that, before we came back here, we were in Montana for a couple years. And before that, we were in Richmond, Virginia for about eight years. And before that, we lived in Palestine for a year. We lived in Bethlehem. And this was before kids. Uh, We were overseas, and it was our first time out of the country and really away from home. And it was really a beautiful year for us. A lot of great memories, a lot of things that we learned and probably are still reflecting on and growing on um, even now. And so we lived in Bethlehem, which was cool in of itself, the place Jesus was born. There's a lot of cool festivals and stuff. It was a beautiful community. But one thing that's neat about Bethlehem is that it's right next door to Jerusalem. There are some giant walls with barbed wires and people with assault rifles in between the two cities. But because we are white and American and have money, that wasn't a problem for us. Um, And so on weekends, when we weren't traveling around the country and exploring different parts of, of Israel, we would often spend time in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, uh, one of my favorite parts of Jerusalem, really one of my favorite parts of the world, is it's uh, the old city. It's kind of what uh, Jerusalem may be famous for. And there's a picture of Ashley and I, pre-kids, well-rested, looking so, hap- looking so happy. Um, that's us in front of the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And the old city of Jerusalem is kind of what you imagine when you think of like a bazaar, B-A-Z-A-A-R, not B-I-Z, you got it, uh, like an Aladdin or something where there's just lots of noises and people and smells, and it's just crowded. It's internationally crowded, like there's people from all over the world coming there for, for p- pilgrimage all the time, and it's just a really historical, awesome part of the world. And the old city is divided into four quarters. I'm not sure if you know this, but it's divided into four quarters. There's the Christian quarter, where you have the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, um, and a lot of neat things there. You have the Muslim quarter, which has the, the dome on the rock. You have the Jewish quarter, which has the, the Western Wall, the Welling Wall, which we just saw a picture of. And then there's the Armenian quarter as well. So the old city is di- divided into four sections. And really, when you walk from one section to the next, you can almost tell the difference when you're kind of crossing crossing over, but it's a really awesome part of the world. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. While we were living there, I had a friend that lived here uh, fly over for, to do a Holy Week tour, like people do, and he had emailed me and told me he was coming, and so I was like, cool, let's link up, and I'll show you what I've, what I've learned, what I've explored. Uh, and so he was in the city of David, which is just outside of the old city in Jerusalem, and we were trying to link up, but we both had uh, international planned cell phones, and we were playing phone tag for the better part of two hours. And so I was kind of going back and forth, calling him, texting him, trying to figure out where I was at. Um, the city is very crowded, and I noticed as I was on the phone, I walked into a place that was a little less crowded and a little less noisy, but I didn't think anything about it because I was on the phone trying to find my friend, uh, when all of a sudden someone came up and, and tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, you can't use your phone here. And I'm like, what? You can't use your phone here right now. You need, you need to put it away. And I said, why? What's going on? He said, you're in the Jewish quarter, and it's Sabbath. And our family doesn't allow cell phone use on the Sabbath. And, and, and for certain Jewish families uh, that observe Sabbath in a, in a pretty strict sense, they don't 
actively use electricity on those days because somewhere in the Old Testament or in the Midrash or something, there's something like, on the Sabbath, you don't build a fire. And for them, when you, when you use electricity, it creates a spark. It's fire so that they don't use electricity on that day. In fact, some of those families would buy timers for their light switches to go on and off on that day so they wouldn't have to manually turn the light on or off because they took it that seriously. Sabbath was something that for some Jewish families even today is taken very seriously and very religiously, very legalistically, and that's, that's fine. I don't have any judgment towards that, but Sabbath is something that's important to them. So this morning, I want to talk about Sabbath. What is it? Where did it come from? How is it relevant to us as followers of Jesus 2,000 years later? Well, Sabbath is pretty central to the Old Testament, especially the Torah, and it shows up very quickly. It shows up in the first story of the Bible, creation. Genesis 1 is how God created the heavens and the earth and kind of went through this process of order of of creating everything. And then as he wraps up creation in the beginning of Genesis 2, it says, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. Before diving into what it means that God rested, I want to take a step back and look at the context a little bit. Every religion has a creation story, and their creation story is often a fundamental story that kind of shapes how they view the world. And that was true for the people uh, of of Israel, and that was true for the people around them at the time. And the, the creation story, whatever creation story we have, tells us who we are. It tells us how we got here. Sometimes it might tell us and what went wrong. Sometimes it tells us what is our purpose here. And oftentimes it also tells us if God exists or if gods exist, what are they like? What's the character and nature of God? And how does that shape our worldview? And for some of the people living around the Israelites, like the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the Egyptians, they use creation stories to keep an oppressive system in place. They used a creation story to kind of deify their king and tell the laborers of the land, you are subservient to the king and you should endure all hardship in order to labor hard for your king or for your pharaoh. And so their creation stories kind of reemphasized a broken system and a broken economy. And the Jews and the Israelites grew up around that. In fact, there are certain times in Scripture where they were enslaved by these empires and they were forced to work. And their entire identity was based on work. So it's in that context of creation stories, creation stories that justify broken systems, that the Jewish writers come and say, this is what our God is like. And when they built a story of creation, they built it in this construct of seven days. And at the end of that creation period, after six days of creation, their God rested. And when you tell a story of a God who creates but also rests, you give yourself permission to rest as well. You give yourself a story that says, my worth and my identity isn't based on what I produce. When the Israelites were in Egypt, their value was based on how many bricks they could produce. And sometimes their punishment was their, their taken, materials were taken away from them, so it would be harder for them to produce those bricks. And so over and over again, they were told, your value is solely based on what you can produce for the empire. And the writer of Genesis is writing a counter-narrative and saying, no, Work is a part of life. Being a part of creation is a part, but there's one day a week that we set aside to rest. I want to be fair, too, to say that there's times when the Jewish people use their creation story to mistreat other people. They saw themselves as God's chosen people and sometimes use that arrogantly to to mistreat others, and Christians do the same thing. I don't want us to think that we're, because we have a great creation story, that we don't sometimes use that for our own selfishness. But originally, in in Genesis... There's a story of creation crafted to say, 
We can be productive. We can be a part of the creative process. But we must set aside time to rest. That's the origin of Sabbath. So what is rest? What does the word Sabbath mean? It doesn't mean that God took a nap. And I kind of get bummed about that because I just want to take naps. That sounds great. On the seventh day, God rested. What does it mean that he rested? It's the word Shabbat. It means that he ceased to be productive. He ceased producing things and let them go on on their own. He kind of built creation and it worked. And he's like, I'm going to take a day off and it's going to keep, keep running. And one thing I just encourage you guys, you may think that your work is important. But I promise you, if you take a day off, a week off, if you happen to pass away, like the world will keep spinning. The world doesn't need what you can produce to exist. You can take a break. You can rest. So Sabbath doesn't mean that God was tired. doesn't mean he took a nap. It means he just stopped creating for a moment. Another word that's used for Shabbat is to breathe or to catch your breath. So Sabbath means to catch your breath. And my favorite word image for the Sabbath is this, is to let your soul catch up with your body. And if you hear one thing this morning, it says that to rest means to let your soul catch up with your body. To let your soul catch up with your body. So do we need Sabbath? Is Sabbath even relevant today? And I would say yes. First and foremost, if we're followers of Christ, followers of Jesus, Jesus was a Sabbath observer. Jesus and his disciples observed the Sabbath. Now, they're kind of famous in scriptures for like being rebels about it. They did things they weren't supposed to do. They didn't wash their hands as many times as they were supposed to. If someone needed help, they helped them. Like the religious leaders were always trying to catch them in the act of breaking the Sabbath code. And Jesus kind of scoffed at that. And he said, as Matt mentioned in his prayer, took from a sermon, Jesus said, man is not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for man. And here's what he means by that. The Sabbath doesn't exist so that you have more work to do in order to observe it. The Sabbath doesn't exist so you can have back-breaking laws that you have to keep up and you're walking on eggshells making sure you don't do the wrong thing. And that's what it had become in his time. So Jesus rebelled against that idea that Sabbath is just all these rules you have to follow. He says, no, Sabbath is meant to be a gift, not a burden. Man is not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. So Jesus followed Sabbath even if he was a little bit rebellious. So for followers of Christ, this is something we we can follow him in. Do we need the Sabbath today, or why do we need it? And I'd say absolutely. We're still living in the, the after effects of the pandemic. It's been two or three years. Some of us are like so far past it and so beyond it and so over it, and that's fine. Some of us are still in it. And just so you guys know, like COVID's still happening. Like it's still a thing. We've just like slowly learned, and probably rightfully so, how to integrate and kind of integrate that into our reality. We can't just completely stop forever. So we've learned how to accommodate COVID, but it's still happening and still affecting families and people. So some of us are like so over it. We're like on the other end, we're doing great. But some of us are still exhausted and tired and burnt out and stressed. I have so many friends in different careers that have just been, just been burned out. So do we need Sabbath? Absolutely. We've had several really hard years, and that's not to mention everything else that's gone on in the world. That's just exhausting. But I think we still need to learn how to rest and to restore ourselves. We still need to find ways to let our souls catch up with our bodies. We also, COVID aside, we also live in an age of distraction. I challenge you as you drive home today, when you get stopped at a red light, to look to the right or to the left of you and look at the people in their car, not creepy, but like look at them and odds are on your, somewhere on your drive home you'll find somebody that when they're at the red light 
they're on their phone. Because they can't just, they can't stop. And if you see me at the red light, I will be on my phone. I'm not being like arrogant here. Like, I, I, I do this too. Honestly, if you see me driving down the interstate, I'll probably be on my phone while I'm driving too. We can't turn off, or I can't turn off. I wake up and immediately check my phone. It, it's something that's just attached to us. We're constantly distracting ourselves. From what? Sabbath is an opportunity to let your soul catch up with your body. And that sounds terrifying for sure. But it's necessary. I would encourage you, and I'm challenging myself at some point in the near future, to have, when we observe Sabbath, to have a day where you completely turn your phone off. And as I say that, cold sweats come to start happening in the room. What? I want to go back to the part. It's not about being legalistic. Like, I don't want you to be necessarily rigid or harsh with that, but it can be a strong boundary. There's flexibility in the Sabbath. We'll get to that in a second. But we live in an age of distraction, and the Sabbath tells us to stop and notice, to pay attention, let your soul catch up with your body. And then lastly, why do we need Sabbath? Because we're in, we're in what seems like a mental health crisis right now, where anxiety and depression and other mental health issues are just constantly popping up and flaring up because of all these other things that we just mentioned. And Sabbath is a place to restore your mental health, your spiritual health, your soul. We need to make time to let our souls catch up with our bodies. We need Sabbath. So what is the Sabbath? Um, and there's plenty of books on this, and there's plenty of long lists and all that kind of stuff. I want to give a few guiding principles, and I want to first just say there's a lot of flexibility built in here. I'm anti, like, super rigid and just saying figure out what works for you. The goal of Sabbath is to restore your soul, to restore your mind and your heart, is to, to be caught up, to reintegrate with yourself, to let your soul catch up with your body. So Sabbath can be flexible. It's just about what gives you life. But here are some components that are general ideas. First off, there's faith practices. Any, any Sabbath, um, especially the, the Jewish community, obviously observed a lot of faith practices. They had prayers before meals. They attended the synagogue. They met with family. They discussed spiritual matters. So there's faith practices. Now, for some of us as followers of Christ, that faith practice might mean attending church. If you're listening to me right now, you're in this room, that's what it is, right? So there's a faith component to the Sabbath. It could be, hey, taking communion is a part of my weekly faith practice or uh, time in prayer, time in, in, in meditation, scripture reading, whatever it might be. But there's a faith component because Sabbath is a spiritual restoration. There is a spiritual component to it. Next, I'd say that there, there's feasting and food. It's what food gives you life. And have you guys ever been, in a, been at a meal that at the end of it you're like, man, that was spiritual. There was something beautiful about that meal. The preparation, the taste, the flavors, the atmosphere, the people sharing the meal with you. But a part of the Sabbath rest and restoration is, is feasting. It's finding food that gives you life. Now for me, I could eat sushi seven days a week. And I could, I could do barbecue like five days a week, right? Like there's certain foods, I'm like, this is what brings me life. I love this. Um, feasting is a part of it. Next is family and friends. There can be time within the Sabbath for solitude, for sure. If you're an introvert, you're like, come on now. Uh, but there is space for, for, for solitude. But by and large, Sabbath is a community event. It's spending time with the family or the friends that bring you the most life, that help you stay connected and grounded and rooted into to who you are. That's a time for your soul to catch up 
with your body, spending time with family and friends. And then lastly, a component of Sabbath is fun. And fun can mean different things for different people. And that, there's a lot of flexibility here, okay? Um, for some people, gardening, being out in the soil, getting your hands dirty, being in the sun, tending your garden, that's super life-giving. The vitamin D, feeling grounded with the earth, there's something life-giving about, life-giving about gardening. But for some people, it's just yard work and it's exhausting and you don't want to do it. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, if it's life-giving to you, do that. If it's labor and it's just work, don't do that. The point of the fun is like the thing that gives you life. And for different people, that's different things. Some people like to jog. I don't get it. But some people do. I've met them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get the runner's high. You like being outside. You like the feeling of accomplishment. You like sweating it out. Whatever. If that's you, jog. If you're like me and most of humanity, don't. <laughs> do something else. There's something different, too, and I, I didn't have time to dig too much into this, between leisure and rest. And what I'll say is this. It's one thing to lay on your couch and watch football all day. That's what I like to do when, when NFL season's in, in play. But when I end that day just watching football all day, I don't really feel restored. There's something different between watching football on TV and maybe playing football with your kids or with your friends, throwing the ball around. There's nothing wrong with watching football. I'm going to watch football this season probably. But maybe at halftime you go outside and you, and you throw the football around for a little bit. You mix it up. You figure out what are the hobbies that give me life, that restore energy to me, that when I walk away from that, I feel rejuvenated. And I would say, you know, jogging is not my thing typically, but I would encourage everyone, I will make a rule here, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Go for a long walk. Make a part of your Sabbath day going on a long walk. If you live in a neighborhood where you won't get run over by cars, go for a long walk in your neighborhood. Go slowly and notice. Use that time to notice how this season, whether it's summer now, uh, notice the dead grass. You know, if it's the fall, if it's the spring, if it's winter, notice how your neighborhood changes throughout the seasons. Go slowly, pay attention. If you see a neighbor outside, be nice. Go for a long walk and just notice what's around you. Don't bring your phone. Go for a long walk. The Sabbath is a time that we can set aside to let our souls catch up with our bodies. So some closing questions, what I just mentioned here some things to, to think about. What are spiritual practices that bring you life? When do you feel most connected with God in the church community or in your own faith practice? What food brings you life? Maybe you really like to make things. Maybe you love to bake. Maybe you love to eat things that people bake. What are the things that restore you that when you finish the task with food, you feel restored? Who are the people that bring you life. And sometimes with family, this is my family, right? But maybe you got to spend time with them every week, and that's fine too. But who are the people that bring you life? And then what hobbies bring you life? And then the real question is, what would it take to carve out an entire day each week to set aside just for these things, to let your soul catch up with your body, to take a deep breath to be restored. And one last nuance here. Everyone's schedule is different. 
And so Sabbath might mean Sunday for some of you. Matt, it may not mean that for you because you may come get done with Sundays and be like, I'm toast. This, these past however many hours didn't count as rest, so maybe it's Monday for you or Saturday for you. Um, our, our schedules are different. It's not about what day it is. It's just about setting aside a time to say, I am guarding this time each week to make sure that I am restored, to catch up with myself, to be reintegrated into myself, to be one. So what would it take to carve out time each week to do things that just restore your soul? Because you aren't what you produce. God called us to be a part of creation, to, to enjoy creation, for sure to be creative as he is creator. That's absolutely part of our identity. But tied into that creation story is this, this space for rest, this space to catch up. So what would it look like to intentionally carve out time to catch up with yourself. I'm going to close. I'm going to pray for us, uh, reading the words of, of Christ in Matthew 11. You guys just close your eyes. I'm going to read this passage a few times to us. Jesus says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now read it again. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen.